Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. You know, I love me some country music. And high up on my list of favorites, Thomas Rhett, baby. You know, I've listened to that Die a Happy Man song probably about a gazillion times. Okay, Thomas was born with a passion for music at his very core. He and his dad, country singer Rhett Aikens, have worked on music together since Thomas was just a little boy. His love of music has carried him all the way to where he is right now. Thomas, his wife Lauren, and I have been friendly for years, but recently we've connected on more than just music. We're also parents by way of adoption. Thomas and Lauren brought their beautiful daughter, Willa Gray, home nearly seven years ago, and they've gone on to welcome three more daughters to their family, Ada James, Lennon Love, and Lily Carolina. Between recording, touring, and parenting, it's kind of tough for Thomas to make space for much else, but I did catch up with him for a rare moment of quiet from his home in Nashville, just as he's getting ready to release his sixth studio album, Where We Started. And among the many topics we touched on, where he started. Stories that make me appreciate Thomas and his music even more. I'm Hoda Kotb. Welcome to my podcast, Making Space. Well, first of all, uh, Thomas, it's great to see you. As always, how are you? Good to see you too. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Well, um, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. We call it Making Space, Thomas. And I think this is actually what you need in this moment. And I'll tell you why. You got no space, baby. Your life is so jammed. You are scheduled to the second, to the millisecond. There's not breathing room. So let's pretend for a moment. Close your eyes. Okay. There is a day where there is nothing on your schedule, zero, a big fat goose egg. And for one day, and I'm going to put Lauren and the kids aside for a minute. Okay. But if you were to have a day that was just for you, a blank slate for one day, yeah. how does that day play out for you? Um, I think I would first of all have to get on a plane. Uh, I have a hard time finding peace in Nashville, but I've, I've found a lot of peace and solitude out West, whether it's in Montana or Utah or Colorado. And I think a perfect day for me would be to take my fly fishing rod out Mm -hmm. to the Boulder River in Montana and just wait it the entire day. Just like Uh. start at the bottom, go to the top. Uh, Don't even care if I catch a fish or not. Just the the simple act of throwing a rod in and out of the river. I think like that, that is the epitome of my uh, perfect alone day, which I have not had an alone day, I think in almost five years. So at least I was going to say, I I need to schedule that. So what is it that you get out of being by yourself and throwing that rod? Like what feelings do you get from that? Uh, There's no one to compare myself to except for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like 
I think as awesome as social media can be, uh, I think I think it ruins a lot of people. Uh, and yeah. I'm I'm in that box. And I think, I mean, shoot, I guess I've had social media for almost ten years now, and I feel like every time I log on to my Instagram account, I get this like really quick little rush of like, oh my goodness, what did someone say about my song, or what did they say about this? But then I see one negative thing, and like my day is just like ruined. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so when when I do like get to put my phone down for five or six hours, I find my anxiety level just going down and down and down and down. Now, I do have four kids, so the anxiety does stay <laughs> at, a, at a little right here. Um, but I just feel like the more that I can detach from the overload of information. I know. I, I just don't feel like we as humans were built to absorb and you absorb more knowledge than anybody that I know every day. And like, yeah. I just don't know that we were meant to know as much as we know. And because it, it's, it's overwhelming. You know, when you talk about comparing yourself in life, we do that sometimes. And yeah. it was so weird because I actually spent one whole week, Thomas, I went to this retreat and I gave them my phone at the start of it. Yeah. For seven days, I had no phone, no contact, nothing. Yeah. And you know what I realized at the end? I was happier without it. Right. So now what? I kept saying, now what? Yeah. So how am I going to make my life happier and still do our jobs like you do For your sure. job and I do mine mm-hmm. without scrolling through and doing the desk scroll and all of that? So I, yeah. I'm more selective about it. And I have to tell you, like my peace of mind is so much better. So when do you put it away and how do you do that? Well, I feel like that you went to that retreat and came out of it and found a balance. Yeah. I, I just want to clap for you because I feel like <laughs> finding that balance is the hard. I think ba- like balance is the key to life, right? Yeah. Because like I, I think that that common phrase, like everything in moderation is, yeah. is cool to say. But if you can't do certain things in moderation, then there's no point in doing them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, I don't know, like even the other day I was sitting at the house and like, it's like habit for me to open my phone, swipe yeah. right and click yeah. on a social media. It's like, yeah. And and, yes. and like, I'll, I'll go through my day and I'll delete the app like seven times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, and then I have to go through the whole process of like typing my password in and getting on and saying, no, I do not want the app to track. I just want to look at, I just want to see what's happening. Yes. Um, but when I have put it away for multiple weeks at a time, yeah. I'm a better dad. I am a better husband. I'm a better friend because there is space to yes. give that part of myself. Um, when were you your happiest? Um, wow. I think I was, in a strange way, happier at my core when I felt like I wasn't under a microscope. If that makes any sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I know you I know you can relate to mm-hmm. that, but like, would I change anything that I have for the world? No. Um, <laughs> but there are days where you, you do kind of wish you could just be just you at the core, no matter mm-hmm. what, no matter what restaurant you're in, no matter if you're at Disney World, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, it's that, that has changed a lot. I mean, I, I have learned how to find joy uh, a ton, mm-hmm. like through, through quote unquote being famous or being under the spotlight, but there just seemed to be something so simple about being in high school or yeah. being in, being in college. Yes. Um, and so, you know, I think that's that's something that Lauren and I both try to create in our lives is simplicity mm. and, and normalcy. You know, a lot of people always ask, like, how are we raising our kids? And we're trying to raise them as normal as humanly possible, mm-hmm. um, which is really challenging because our lives are anything but normal, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think striving for simplicity has brought Lauren and I and our kids the most joy that, that mm. we could imagine. So You know, it's funny. I asked Magic Johnson that same question. When were you happiest? And you know what he said? What? He said, I'll tell you the scene. I'm going to set the scene. He said, I'm in college. 
I'm dating Cookie. That's his current wife. Yeah. He said, we were scraping up money for a pizza mm-hmm. and two cans of Coke, and we yep. couldn't find the change. Yep. We were digging in pockets, and we finally got it. He's for like, sure. the pizza came. We're sitting on the floor, and we shared that pie and drank that soda. And he described a moment that was a beautiful moment. And, and I thought to myself, isn't that interesting? Like he's acquired so many things in life. Yet yeah. when he thinks of the happiness quotient, he goes back to the basics, the most simple things. But you and he have a lot in common. You both are unchanged, I think. You, you have fame and it does come with what it comes sure. with. But you're both sort of like, like from the f- moment I met you, whenever that was a long, long time ago when you were just getting started to right now, you are, I mean, you seem exactly the same to me. I can still <laughs> drunk FaceTime you and you'll pick up, which is my no definitely doubt. my litmus test. That's my favorite part of my week. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I don't do it every week, but I do it often enough. No, I <laughs> I don't I, want people to think I'm a stalker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, me and Lauren love it so much. Um, and, and I would say the same about you. Not, I mean, mm-hmm. not that this is like a mm-hmm. compliment yeah. back and forth type thing, but I, it is very, very true. Like you, you are one of the most down to earth people that I've ever met, especially mm-hmm. with you're in front of the world every single day. Um, yeah. And so it, when I when I describe my my being under a microscope, you are a million times more than that. But I can I can relate to magic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I remember when Lauren and I first got married, I mean, I, I think I maybe had 500 bucks mm. to my name. Um, and my dad had just bought a condo and I told him, like, we can't pay rent. And so he just made us pay the HOA fee, which was like $45 a month. And even that hurt. Um, I remember this one, it was our first Christmas as a married couple. I just signed a record deal. And like, I'm talking about five nights a week, we would buy a frozen pizza and the cheapest bottle of wine we could find. And like, and we'd go to the Christmas tree lot and Uh Christmas trees are like 70 bucks. You know what I mean? (laughs) A tree is $70. And I remember calling my business manager at the time and being like, hey, can I afford this? And we went back and put that Christmas tree up and made a frozen pizza and had a bottle of wine. And you want to talk about Content yet proud that that we had accomplished you that. Did it. You know what I'm saying? You so did I can it. relate to that uh, a lot, for sure. Coming up, Thomas opens up about marrying his childhood sweetheart and what family means to him. More after this. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact. With semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch, it's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie. And fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash space. Just go to indeed.com slash space right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash space. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, you and Lauren met when you were little and then and then uh, ended up getting married after you guys have lived a little. But you were, you all were both young, and people were telling you, what are you doing? You were yeah. like 22 or something? Yeah, we were 22 when we got married, for sure. Yeah. Did everyone, who tried to talk you out of it? Um, I don't think it was like a, a talking out of. It was yeah. more of just like, make sure. Make sure. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. which is normal. You know, I think for a parent to say to a kid, like I might say the same thing, you know, yeah. if if my daughters were like, hey, I'm 17 and I found the guy I want to marry. I'm like, are you sure? Are you, you know? Positive? But I can also be like, you know what? If that's your heart and that's what you believe, like, here to support you, you know? So you um, were sure and she was sure? We were sure. But we also knew each other since, like, third grade. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she knew me as a sixth grader, as a tenth grader, um, as an idiot in college. I mean, she 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 was with me through every, every up and down phase of life. And so when mm-hmm. we got married, we were already best friends anyway. And they, you know, my parents had always said, make sure you marry your best friend, you know? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I mean, this is— uh this is my best friend and she is very attractive and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. And, uh, but you know, I think like at that time it, it wasn't super cool to be married and be a, uh, a country singer. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like my dad would talk about like, let's make sure that we don't like announce a lot that we're married mm-hmm. and you know, you can wear your wedding ring, I guess, but like make just, let's just keep it under the radar. And I just thought that was the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of weird. Like at the time, I guess this would have been 2012. I mean, there were love songs, but like there, there weren't there weren't like a lot of love songs about like from a country singer being like y'all know who this is and this is who I'm singing about. This is my yeah, wife. Yeah, this is for you know? her, right? Um, and uh, so you know from the get go of my career, Lauren was just such a part of. I mean, we were a package deal. Mm-hmm. She was at every show. The fans knew her. Mm-hmm. So you know when Die Happy Man came out, like mm-hmm. yeah, I think the song, I think Die Happy Man is good, but I think that it was great at the time because it hadn't been done in a while in that way. And it was almost like the stars kind of lined up for that song. You can hear his love for Lauren in that song. They even appeared in the music video together. With all I got is your hand in my hand. Baby, I could die. And now it's kind of cool. I mean, you, you hear there's so many people that mm-hmm. are just openly, I'm married. You know, I know, in, in our genre That's, and like yeah. how many love songs can we write about that person? Uh, and so I just I, I love to watch love win. So um, your parents are divorced. Yeah. Were you scared getting married? Did you think or patterns? Do they repeat? Like, were you worried? Um, Yeah, I mean, there was a part of me that was just like, is, is that going to be me, too? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. I remember, you know, Lauren's dad, he flies like jets for a living like he owns like a charter company in nashville and you know in the 90s he would fly you know you name that country artist Mm -hmm. he flew him around and so he'd been around the business for a while and i remember before me and lauren got married he was like you better keep your head on straight 
You know what I mean? He was like, you bet, you better not do anything out there on the road because I, I promise you I've seen it and I will call you out immediately. And I was like, you don't have anything to worry about, you yeah. know? And, um, yeah. but as I got into it, I, I, I quickly realized how easy that yep. could be, yep. um, without the right boundaries mm-hmm. put in place. Sure. I remember my first year on the road, somebody like grabbed my butt, you know, <laughs> on stage and I was torn up yeah. with guilt and shame and just like, God, like, how do I tell Lauren about this? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and I remember calling her like right after that show, telling her the entire situation. Yeah. And it was that night that I like, I told my tour manager, I told my team, I was like, hey, unless you're a sister yeah. or someone who's dating someone in the band, there are, there can't be anybody back here that we don't know yeah. because, yeah. because that, that was my boundary. You know what I'm saying? Like I knew mm-hmm. that if I started to let this slide and that slide and that slide, that it could have gotten bad. Yeah. You know? It really, um, yeah. And so, you know, that that is something that uh that I'm so glad that we that we implemented early, early on yeah. on the road. Um, because it, it could have been very easy for sure. Did your parents give you um advice like uh marriage advice? Uh yeah, for sure. But you know, like my dad, and my mom kind of came from that generation of like you know, they got pregnant before they were married uh-huh. um, in South Georgia. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those times in life where it was like, well, we should probably get married. Yeah. Got to do it right. And I get that. But I think kind of early on, you know, my, I think my dad really wanted, I think he had more life that he wanted to live. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think him looking back, like those are things that he may not be um, proud of. But like, mm-hmm. that's, that's just life. You know, we that's live life. and we, we live and we learn. And, and uh, yeah. You know, my my dad is happily married now to mm-hmm. to a lovely woman. Uh, they had a son, so I've got a one year old brother. My mom got <laughs> remarried to my stepdad when I was thirteen. He's become a father figure in my life. I've got a sixteen year old brother. Like, I wouldn't change any of it for the world. Wow. You know, um, I feel like I got really blessed with um with an amazing family that has that has baggage just like we all do. So. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like everyone's open about it too. It's, for sure, and we what, go on vacations together. Like my dad, everybody. And, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, my mom and my stepdad, my dad, and my stepmom, like we all just <laughs> we just do life together. It's it's pretty unconventional, but I it's it's awesome. That's pretty cool. I mean, I think it's I think it's really brave to be honest. For sure. Cuz sometimes people think bravery is some heroic act, but sometimes it's the simple act of just telling the truth, 100%. saying it. Yeah. And I, I when do you think your dad was proudest of you? Um I think he may just be proud of how I have approached this career. Yeah. I think he writes with people all the time that go, man, how'd your son turn out so good? You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of a joke, but I, but I think he, you know, he kind of gets like, you know, my, my dad was, was pretty wild, you know, back in the day. And, uh-huh. and I, I've definitely had my fair share of wild moments, but I knew that when I, when I got married, like this was, this was the goal. If everything else fell apart, yeah. this, this had to stay together. Um, yeah. And, and that that is that is what I vowed the day I got married, and that is what I that is what I plan on, you know, committing to until the the day that I die. So, wow. Well, I know having kids was something that was high on your priority list. The way you went about it was obviously very interesting. Uh, yeah. Lauren was on a mission trip to Uganda. Yeah. And fell in love, basically. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just that's just how it happened. For sure. That was seven years ago. Yeah. So she met Willa. What was it about her about that? specific child of all the children yeah. uh, who Lauren met and and you got to know. What was it about her? Yeah. You know, that was such a, a crazy time because my wife up to that point had traveled with me and me solely. 
You know what I mean? Like she kind of she kind of gave up a lot to be along my side, mm-hmm. you know, during this journey. I mean, she went to the University of Tennessee, uh, graduated with a nursing degree. Uh, nursing school about killed her, um, as I'm sure many, many nurses out there. It's freaking hard. Um, but she finished that, and we went into marriage counseling, and our marriage counselor said, I think y'all need to be fully together your first year on the road because the year that she graduated, I went on this thing called radio tour, which is where you're gone for like eight months, and mm-hmm. you're literally visiting every country radio station in the country. So if she had gone and worked in the hospital and I'd gone to do that, our first year of marriage would have been completely just mm-hmm. split apart. And so she decided to come with me that whole first year, and that led into the next you know, five years of our marriage. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think my wife ever planned on marrying someone that was doing what I'm doing. Like, I think that if she could have picked at that age, she probably would have picked someone that was going to be home at five Mm o'clock. You know what I mean? Um, And she probably would have lived a whole lot simpler of a life had she done Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was just no denying, uh, you know, our love for each other. And to this day, I mean, I I just, I literally just look at her and say, thank you. Thank you for marrying me because I I would be a total disaster. (laughs) I, I wrote a song last year called I'd Be a Nightmare Single, um, and it is very true. Um, anyway, back to your question. That was when she had met a few people that were already doing work in Uganda. And I think my wife at that point had felt a little bit um, passionless, mm-hmm. if you will. I, like, I think she felt like her passions had to be my passions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had a, that was like a year of like long conversation of like, well, what, you know, what, what is your passion? And she was like, well, I still want to help people medically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I want to, I want to use the skill that I trained so hard for. And I was like, well, that is a hundred percent understandable. Mm-hmm. Like, let's figure that out. You know, and kind of a, a God thing that she met uh, this woman named Suzanne who uh, was already doing ministry and, and um, mission work in, in Uganda and Lauren went with her and I was still back in America, you know, doing shows. And I remember she sent me a, a picture of this little girl and uh, in Uganda, they had they had named her Blessing. That was the mm-hmm. that was the name that they gave mm-hmm. her. She didn't have any parents, and uh, and no no siblings um, mm-hmm. that that we knew of. And uh, and she sent me a picture of her holding Blessing, and she said, "We have got to help, you know, find her family or find mm-hmm. find her a home." And uh, you know, they did a ton of research on you know where where she was found, all this kind of stuff, and and it was just it was heartbreaking. I can't imagine, I don't know, like one of my children just not not having a family to call to call home, you know. And and so I just it just can't. I don't even remember saying it, but it came out of my mouth. I was like, "We'll, we'll, we will, we'll bring her home," you know. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, "Are you serious?" And yeah. next thing you know, what? Why were you so sure? What was it about that image? I've just never seen my wife glow the way that she was <laughs> glowing. Like, yeah, I, I can't I can't describe it, but it already felt like it was a thing. You know, um, that's big. God, like literally, I, I don't remember saying it. It just, it just erupted out of my stomach. It just like happened. And uh, and then, I, you know, we hung up the phone and I was like, what did I just say? Like, and um, because I don't know that I was ready to be a dad yet. I don't think anyone's ready to be a parent until you are. Until you are. You know what I'm saying? So you you, you got Willa Gray and, and then Lauren gets pregnant and then y'all are off and running. You got four girls now. Yeah. Uh, do you want a boy? I think I've passed that point, to be honest with you. I think uh, that's like the most, the most question I get asked is like, when are yeah. you trying again? And yeah. I was like, well, yeah. we're, we have a lot of kids right now. Um, <laughs> and you want to talk about making space. Like, I think our, our biggest challenge right now is like, yeah, I mean, Lauren's whole dream, she wanted to have five kids. Like that's, five, yeah. since the day we got married, she's like, I want to have five. And I'm sitting there going, 
that's fine. You know, yeah. five would be great. But we sit there and we go, you know, they're all in such different phases of life. Mm -hmm. You know, we're having a hard time figuring out how do we make one-on-one -on -one time right. for like all of our kids, or you what know. What you so, got now. So I told Lauren, I was like, I mean, let's have five, but let's, let's take a, let's take a four-year deep breath. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She'll get her five eventually, but you're for right. Sure. Sometimes you need a minute. Um, I, as you know, I adopted two children and yeah. a lot of questions come up at which I'm already getting from Haley and I'm, I will get from hope too. Yeah. What questions is Willa Gray asking or are your other daughters asking and how have you guys navigated that? Because I've got two kids from different countries and you know, it's for sure. There are questions that pop. Yeah. It's hard, you know, because yeah. I think, I think when you become a parent, you you're like, well, I'm a dad. I have all the answers, you know, yeah. or I'm a mom. I have yeah. all the answers. Um, and like adoption is is one of the most beautiful things in the world. And I, and I don't think at the beginning of it, you, I don't think you go, oh, in like six years, I'm going to start answering yeah. some like really, yes, really intense questions, you know? And, and I think, I don't know if you felt this at all, but it's kind of like you go, well, what age? Mm -hmm. Like what age is the right age? Mm -hmm. Because the world is moving so fast that it's like, mm -hmm. you know, to have a conversation with a six-year-old about that, Maybe I'm too old school to think that way, but I go, maybe we need to wait till she's 10. You know, but, yeah. but like she asks questions all the time. Like she talks to Lauren, she's like, when, when can we go see my friends in Uganda? Uh -huh. You know, yeah. and then like Ada James will be like, when can I go see our friends in Uganda? And Willa Girl uh -huh. will be like, well, they're not your friends. They're my friends. Ah, uh -huh. You know, and I, I love the innocence that they have because they don't have any, they haven't been tainted yet yes. by the world. They haven't been jaded by the uh -huh. world. Like they, they don't, they don't see things like adults Mm -hmm. see things. And so in, in your parent brain, you're like, well, how do I keep this innocence alive mm -hmm. as long as I possibly as can? As long as possible. Yeah. You know, because I mean, I feel like I read the Bible and God's like, if you don't have the heart of a child, you ain't doing it right. <laughs> and I'm like, well, how could I have the heart of a child when we're at war and we're at, we're, this right. is happening and that's right, happening. And right. like, and they don't, they don't know any of that stuff yet, you yeah. know? And so we really just try to, we try to be as honest as we can without the confusion. I guess that's mm -hmm. the, that's the thing, but it's, it's freaking hard. You know, if you have any advice, I'm, <laughs> I'm all ears. <laughs> Kids are funny, even about everything. Like even Haley says, she holds, I hold my skin up to her skin. Mm -hmm. Am I darker than you, mama? Or, right. you know, what about Hopi? Is she darker than me? For sure. You know, and, and that is, you know, and it's interesting and we, we kind of make jokes about it, but you want to kind of preserve where they're from. So they remember, cause I feel like Absolutely. if you don't know your real, your, your identity, how are you going to live your life? Like a million you've percent. got to figure out a way to navigate. For sure. Um, do the kids, do the kids go on the road? It's too much. You can't, they can't. It's impossible. Do they go? Well, when it was just Willie Gray and Ada James, they did because me and Lauren, me and Lauren felt like we could handle two. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, this year I looked at Lauren and I was like, what dates do you want to come to? And she was like, none. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wow, thanks. You know, I'm really glad you are into this thing still. Um, I mean, I already have a hard enough time, you know, singing three nights a week. Yeah. And, and when the kids come out there, it's like, yeah. Can we go to the zoo at five yes. thirty in the morning? Can we? Can we go do this? Can we go do that? And right. um, I don't know. It's it. It became for a couple years like I was literally bringing my kids to work. Yes. Every day. Yes. I, but I am kind of at the point where I think Willa Gray and AJ are old enough now for me to bring them on the road, at least with my mom or something, because they sure they love to do sound check. They love to play the drums. Oh, they, they love, they love, like their attention, they love it. 
Like they, uh, they love when people look at them and like, so yeah. I'll, I'll get them up on stage and let them kind of like, Hey, you know, into the mic and <laughs> oh, that's so all that cute. stuff. But um, the, the younger two definitely will stay at home this year. Coming up, Thomas Rhett on a career that has him playing to sold out stadiums across the country. I still pinch myself. After this. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You know, I remember interviewing you when you hadn't won an award and it was all brand new. And now you're just such a staple and such a name. What What is it like now when you stand up on a stage and the stadium is full? Is it like what it was before? What does it feel like for you? I still pinch myself. Yeah. Um, I'm also a perfectionist, I think in some good ways, but mostly a fault, um, mm-hmm. which maybe, maybe leads back to my comparison issue uh-huh. because I, I walk out there and I go, Gosh, this place holds fifteen thousand people, but there's there's fourteen thousand nine hundred here. <laughs> like, I'm like, where's the other hundred at? You know what I mean? Like, but but then I walk out there and I go, golly, it feels like yesterday that I was twenty one years old. Yeah, you know, opening for whoever it was. Who was uh, it? You know, uh, I think it was Pat Green. He was a Texas oh, okay. artist, and I and I played for six people. I'll never forget that. Uh, six. Yeah, this place held like a thousand people, and there were there were six people there, and. That was the day that I had the choice of, this is how you learn to entertain. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, if you can entertain six people that have no idea who you are and could care less who you are. Right. If those six people leave going, I might want to see that guy again. You won. You know what I mean? And and now now I look at some of these amphitheaters that have, you know, 15, 20,000 people in them. And I just, I make sure every night on stage, be like, hey, thank y'all. Wow. Like, I know this might just be, you might have gotten drugged here by your girlfriend. Thank you for being here. Um, or you, you won this ticket off the radio, but thank yeah. you for being here because this is this is what I was born to do. And and thank you all for being in the seats. So were you were you competitive about everything? Like, did you play sports when you were a kid? Yeah. Yeah. So you always very, wanted to win. Very yeah. competitive. Yeah. With everything. That's just your in your DNA. Yeah. Like I have this weird fear of just like not being the best. I, huh. And I don't know where that comes from, but it but it happens in every area of my life. Like I can go back and remember I was playing Monopoly with Lauren when we were 16 years old <laughs> and she's really good at math. And I'm real like, I just learned how to tip three years ago. Um, and she beat me and I was like, I don't want to play Monopoly with you anymore. <laughs> You're so crazy. And even with my hobbies, like when I, when I get into a hobby, yeah, I go hard. Like, well, what? Give me a hobby. Fly fishing, hunting, skiing. Yeah. Like I got to have the best equipment. 
I got to watch a million YouTubes. I got to hire a, a trainer. Wait, we need to get into this. What is this? This <laughs> I don't is know. no, this is deep in your psyche. Yeah. This is the thing. Since you're a kid? Yeah. And like, I think I'm, I'm about to go on a kind of a weird tangent mm-hmm. when I'm getting to a point. I think the reason I hate, hate so bad and like mm-hmm. Instagram hatred or mm-hmm. just even posting a song and someone being like, this sucks. Yeah. Like that should be able to roll off my back. Yeah. But it doesn't. Like it yeah. sticks with me for weeks. Yeah. And I go back into my sixth grade self. Yeah. And like I was kind of a, I won't say an outcast, but I was, uh, I just wanted to be different than everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if it was cool to play football, I wanted to start a lacrosse team. Uh-huh. If it was cool, to, if it was cool to listen to the Backstreet Boys, I wanted to listen to the Ramones. Uh-huh. And I was in sixth grade and me and some buddies started a punk rock band. We dyed our hair black. <laughs> We uh, we all sang in British accents, <laughs> and on the night of prom, we scheduled our first concert because we were like anti-prom. You know what I mean? Probably because we didn't get asked or no one wanted to go with us. <laughs> that was probably the real reason. But I remember we put these flyers up in the hallway, like come to see the high heel flip flops at whoever's house. Yeah. And there was somebody on the football team that went through the hallway and ripped all of our flyers down uh-huh. and just started shredding them in half. Uh huh. And that was the first moment that I said. I will be better than that. Does that make sense? That's a big moment. I will I will always be a bigger person than that. I don't know if that, I'm about to cry even talking about yeah, it, but yeah. I, I don't know if that was where my uh, desire to prove people wrong so much came into play, but I, I, can, I can go back in my brain and see that so vividly. And the feeling of watching that happen. Yeah. And so anytime anyone does something unique or weird or different in country music, in pop music, in sports, in whatever, when someone wants to tear somebody down for something, I'm like, you need to sit down. Sit down. Because you don't know. Yes. When you stand alone, there's something, and you're unique like you are, like that's so in your DNA. There's something magical about that that never goes away. It's not going to go away. Till you're 85, you'll still be doing weird stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> and people so are still going to be making fun of you. Yep. And you're going to remember those 16-year-old guys from the football. Do you ever go back to your high school reunions, by the way? Uh, I went to my five-year. Did you? How was it? Strange. <laughs> you know? Were they surprised at you? Like what had happened to you? I mean, I guess in a world where you you know everything about everybody, these, yeah. you know, with social media, I, no, yeah. I don't think anyone was surprised. Yeah. But I think yeah. it, it was weird walking back in there. You know what I yeah. mean? Because you, you you see certain people that were either the the best player on the football team mm-hmm. or this or that. And when you're 16, you think, never going to be as cool as that person. Uh-huh. But then you move through life and you're just like, it doesn't matter. It really does. You know what I'm saying? Like it, I think we, I think I have such a heart for, for young kids who are, mm-hmm. you know, just still trying to figure it out because mm-hmm. it's freaking scary. Yeah. High school was scary. It is scary. You know? Did you ever talk to the football player who shredded your um your flyer? Yeah, we're actually good friends today, which really? is hilarious. Well, yeah. What what did he say? What why did he do it? He was just being He that was way? like, man, I was such an ass. <laughs> is that you know? what he said? <laughs> yeah, because like, I mean, you know, there's there's several people in my life that like, you know, I've told certain people from my past, like, hey man, I talked about you in therapy. I'm really sorry. I know that you're like a normal <laughs> dude now and you were just an, an idiot, you know, 15-year-old kid or whatever. But uh I just think it just proves like how how crucial it is when you're young. I mean, that's why, God, we, we preach kindness so much yes. in our house, you know, and like I dread the day that Willie Gray comes home or Ada James comes home and said something about me that that, that yeah. hurt my feelings. Yes. 
Because yes. my initial feeling is going to be like, all right, what's his name? Going to school <laughs> yeah, right now. I'm going to go find him. You know what I'm I saying? Know. Um, but you just have to realize that that's just, just the, life. we live in a fallen world, you know, so. Just real, I know we, we've been talking about life and it makes me so happy, but let me just get to your music because <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's evolving too. You were writing songs before you were singing them uh, publicly. Yeah. And you still had, like, I was surprised at such a young age, you had so much stuff to say. Like, I didn't even know you lived enough life to say those things. And now <laughs> they're getting deeper even yet. But I feel like you must have lived a lot of life uh, even when you were young. Yeah, I feel like I did. You know, like, I, I mean, I think, you know, our life, every, every bit of trauma in our lives shapes us in a way, you know, whether, and you get to choose for the worse or the better, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, d- divorce is not a fun thing to go through, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid. And for a long time, I didn't think it affected me until I started to become an adult and I started to pull out little bits of pieces of how mm-hmm. that did affect me. And, you know, uh, knowing Lauren and knowing certain people in our lives that had passed away way too early, like you kind of go, well, that's just life. But then you go, no, like, that sucks. That and sucks. That that yeah. affected you, you know. And I think I've always just been a really old soul. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think I've always been an overthinker and thought about my future probably way more than your average eighteen or nineteen year old mm-hmm. kid, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so at a young age, like I really was trying to be older than my my driver's license said. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Which is a good song title. We'll write that together. Yeah, um, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, I've definitely released songs that were just for fun and just yeah, for you to dance to. But for yeah. the most part, if you hand me a guitar, I, I do want to write something uh, meaningful, you know, uh-huh. and, and something that someone across the world can hear by accident and be like, man, I've, I've felt that. I felt I've, that. I've been I there. Uh-huh. I've had that heartbreak. I've had that joy, you know. Um, uh-huh. And so a lot of people ask, like, why I get so personal in my songs. And it's like really the only way I know how to do it. You know, yeah. like I, well, I've tried to write a quote unquote, just like a hit, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, this mm-hmm. would sound good on the radio. And I've definitely had a few of those, but for the most mm-hmm. part, if I can write my honest truth and it be a hit, that is, mm-hmm. uh, that's the Mecca there, right there. Um, and how has uh, Thomas having four daughters impacted you as a husband to Lauren? Um, before I had kids, it was just easy. Mm-hmm. Me and Lauren were like, mm-hmm. want to go do this? Yeah, let's go do that. Mm-hmm. Want to go do this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I had kids, you were just like, want to go do this? No, we can't. Yeah. You know, it was like that whole, you know, that's I think that's why so many friends lose touch when they have kids. It's mm-hmm. not because you don't want to hang out with that person. It truly is like finding the space and finding the time to say yes to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think my marriage, uh, we, we've definitely gone through some ups and downs for sure mm-hmm. because it took me a lot longer to adjust to being a dad than it took Lauren uh, mm-hmm. to being a mom. Because I still, they, they say this in therapy, but they're like, a lot of people do grieve uh, freedom. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. When, you, when you're just allowed to go and do mm-hmm. as you please all the time, and sure. now you have children, you go, well, God, you, you, in a way, you start to blame your kids for the fact that you can't go hang out with your buddies yeah. on a Friday night. Yeah. But I think that was that happened to me a couple years ago, and I'm, I know we talked about this a couple years ago, but I just had to sit back and, like, reprioritize my life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. if music was number one for the last eight years, music is now, like, number three. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I love it and I want to be great at it. But like, if me being great at music makes my parenting and my husband <laughs> role suffer, yeah, what's it worth when I'm 50? What's it worth? Yeah. You know what You're I mean? You're right. You're right. So, 
Well, uh, Thomas, I just want to say it's always such a treat to visit and talk with you. Likewise. I love your music. We're going to be just, it, it's my happy place, man. I hit <laughs> Thomas Rhett Radio, Thomas Rhett on Spotify, and um, I just can't wait to, to see you soon. Well, likewise, Hoda. I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for talking with me. All right, I will too. Thanks again. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. See ya. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and going on this journey with me. If you like what you've heard, and I hope you do, please give Making Space a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to tell your friends and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Making Space with Hoda Kotb is produced by Allison Berger, along with associate producer Rachel Young and audio engineer Bob Mallory. Original music by John Estes. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Minna Kathuria is our executive producer. Soraya Gage, our general manager. And Madeline Herringer is our head of editorial. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.